0: Um, hey, hey, welcome to another edition of the Rugby League Lounge Weekly Show, and once again, I am joined from Joel from League Adventures How are you going, Joel?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Good. It was um, watched that Tigers Tale last night, which was pretty cool, uh, and it started the documentary on the West Tigers, and uh, yeah, it was pretty eye-opening uh, for a rugby league fan. Absolutely loved it so far.
0: Yeah, it's funny actually, because we only had probably a brief discussion just before he jumped on, and I was going to say to you, I would have loved to have done a review on that, but I haven't been able to find access to that here. Obviously, being in New Zealand, so once I'm able to, maybe that could be a future discuss, uh, future kind of video in the coming weeks. But I'm sure I'll find a way when there's a is away. But yeah, looks from the little clips I've seen. Yeah, I'm very interested in giving it a watch for sure, especially well. I think all rugby league fans will. But today we've got a bit of a, yeah, we've got a specific topic today, and we're kind of at a point in the season when obviously the season's not over, but we kind of, you know, we're able to make judgments and an assessment of how the 2020 off seasons for certain clubs, you know, went and how they have impacted impacted this season. So what I've done today, I've looked at kind of the gains and the losses heading into the season from a couple clubs. Now, I've identified eight clubs in particular where I actually just want to kind of, yeah, like frame a few questions at Joel and kind of topic starters just to talk about, you know, in relation to the season, how, yeah, how have these signings impacted where they stand today? So we're going to start with Gold Coast Titans Gold Coast Titans have won the most interesting uh, off-seasons because, obviously, they brought in Fafida. And we know it was – wouldn't well, we're not sure of the exact amount, but we knew there was a lot of money on the table and there was a lot going on about, do the Broncos yeah, want to keep them? Do they want to photo book of them? But, obviously, it the Titans. Um, and coming with him was Tino as well. Um, so, they are the two big signings. Patrick Herbert is a name to bring up. And obviously, they lost Jaira as well. But what I want to post to you, um, Joel, is obviously I think a lot of people kept their top eight the same heading from last year. We had, like, the same top six teams. I know the Raiders haven't really lived up to expectations. But one of the teams popping in, from the consensus, Titans, if you look at the majority of analysts, Titans were the ones that were able to sneak up to the eight. Now... Obviously, they're not there. They're kind of still in the mix. But can you judge the signings, the two big signings, how much, I could say, how much can you judge their signings off the results of the season? So do we say that these signings were, you know, worth worth the money or worth worth acquiring because of what we've seen so far? Or is this more of a, no, we'll, we'll see if these signings were, you know, legitimate as this, as their careers progress? Um
1: oh, it's a weird one because they sit just two points outside the eight at the moment and but they've had 17 games for only six wins. So you'd probably argue that the two big signs obviously Tino and Fafita may have provided some false dawn um, at the club and maybe Maybe they're not ready for the top eight. I was one of those that thought they'd be probably eight this year. Uh, and I don't think they're going to get there uh, anymore. So uh, did everyone, including myself, go off a little bit too early? Do they need another year together? They're all still young. So no doubt in the future, they, they're definitely good signings. But if we're rating them on the immediate, um, you'd probably have to say they've fallen just below um, expectation.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And this is probably just posing another question, but I think it's a lot of my, you know, why I thought I put them in the eight and now, you know, we can talk about the potential Cam Smith signing. Now that was kind of one of those things that was a conversation for good reason, but why the Smith signing was, well, obviously any team that signs Smith, they're going to find their way up the ladder a bit, but just being able to involve Fafita and Tino into the game, use them to their full potential. I honestly thought Taylor and Fogarty were going to be able to do that. So do we need to see an extra piece of the puzzle that can get the best out of Fafita and um, Tino? And are you are you surprised that Taylor and um, Fogarty haven't really been able to connect with Fafita? I still think Fafita's kind of creating damage on his own. Like, does he need someone to get him... You know, into easier situations.
1: I think Fafita does need some leadership on the field, uh, just to guide him. Uh, he'd love a, a Cooper Cronk or someone like that to be there. Uh, I think Ash Taylor isn't the right one, but um, Fogarty. Uh, I think he has a stronger running game than he does an organising passing game. But that's just me personally. Uh, Tino, Tino is an interesting one because last year, and you you know this because you're a Storm fan, but he a lot of his game went off Cameron Smith and what Cameron Smith was doing. So I think the missing piece for the Titans at the moment is a hooker. I think they need, I need a, a better class hooker and uh, no disrespect to Rain. I just don't think he's up to it. Uh, and I think Aaron Clark when he comes on is a sort of damaging runner, but he's sort of like a Brandon Smith in a way where he's, I think he'd be a damaging sort of lock runner once um, some players are sort of tired. So I do think they need a, a better hooker and, um, I was, obviously, Camps did retire. He would have be been perfect this year. I would have. I was surprised it didn't go a bit harder for Brendan Smith to go over at the start of the year. When there was a bit of that murmur, um, I was very surprised that they didn't push him harder on, on trying to get him over.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good point too. I think you've summed it up pretty well there with like how, you know, looking ahead, how these signings, to get the best out of these signings, and just for a team in general, I think your hooker is definitely one, I think it would be interesting also Josh Hodgson's obviously been thrown up for the Broncos, I wouldn't mind him him there, and like we've talked about before, like if you've got to compare anyone to Cameron Smith, like in terms of game style, it's pretty hard to be compared to like the arguable GOAT, but your Hodgson obviously, yeah, the styles are sim- similar, so and it could, protect, it could be an option, like we said he's been rooming to go to the Broncos, and a lot of that is because Tom Starling's coming through and has proven he's an impactful player. Um, but one thing also, this might be the biggest learning year, not just of Tino's career so far, but just in his career, like when we look in hindsight, because he's gone from a pretty fortunate situation to being kind of thrown into a pack of where he's really had to be into a leadership role quite early on. So, yeah, he can probably learn a few things um, from the season. Well, and that's obviously pretty, pretty obvious statement. But I would like to, you know, my prediction to look into next season, I think Tino is going to have a very good – I think he is going to learn a lot from the season. And I think we're going to see a very um, – yeah, a, a good rise from him in terms of like – I don't know if he's really put himself in one of the best middle forwards in the game – I think next season we'll start to see that kind of potential potential happen just because he can kind of – yeah, he's got enough perspective now. He's got enough perspective. Not everything is going to be – it wasn't – definitely not served on a silver platter, but it was made a little bit easier when you've been a part of one of the best systems in Australian sport in general. Um, let's go across to the Manly Seagulls now. Now, Kieran Thorne, obviously – Going back there, obviously a lot older, probably not at the peak of his powers, but, you know, it was one of those signings where I think there was mixed views whether he was still going to be able to contribute or not. Jason Saab, obviously we know the potential that he had, but was he going to be be able to be reached at Manly? And they had some big losses, um, most notably Anthony Blake. And look, let's just talk about the off-season signings. Like, I've, off-season in general, um, how much has the off-season influenced where they are as, like, pretty legitimate contenders? Like, we talked last week, they're arguably the next best team after the Panthers at Storm when you talk about winning the comp. How has the signings influenced them being in that status?
1: I'll let you go first with this one, actually. I'll I'll change it around to you. Um, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are first.
0: Um, yeah, well, yeah, cheers. I think, I think it's interesting. I think what, it, what, what the King Foreign has allowed them to do is they've allowed them to have a, um, a wider range of playmakers or more playmakers. And what I, what I want to point out here is Schuster now, I think if Form wasn't signed, I believe either he was going to be pushed to number six. Which might have worked out okay, but the thing is, like, this is his first, like, he's still eligible for Rookie of the Year, so it's his first full season, and it's pretty hard to be a rookie half and still be in tennis status. Now, it's been done before, but I think it just puts less pre- pressure off him um when he is not the prime, one of the main guys, one of the, you know, got the six in your back, a bit more responsibility and what, yeah, what it's allowed, it's just a triple, you know, there's a lot more options on that left left side of the field. Yes, you've got the Turbos, Cherry Evans, um, that, that you know, their impact is unquestionable, especially especially Turbo. But I think the left side, I think they have gone underrated a bit. And I think it's because the options that they can pose, because they've got multiple playmakers on that left side, and Schuster and Foreign. So, for me, it's huge. I think Jason Saar's one of those ones um, that has, yeah, I think so, but uh, has been a huge influence on what they been doing. Yes, I think a lot of, you know, look at his stats, and you think he's a top try score, top linebreaker, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it's been created by um, Tom Tommy Turbo. But, man, he's scoring tries 40, 50 metres out because of his pure pace. Yes, there might be players, I think you know, whoever's on that right wing for Manly is probably you know, up there leading the league in line breaks as well. But executing it into tries, try assists, I'm unsure about that because the speed that he possesses is top level as compared to Adokar, as compared to um, uh, Hamaso and all them Like, So, yes, I think they have. Obviously not, you know, the main reason is Turbo and we can preach that to, you know, forever. But, yeah, I believe they have been a big big impact um, and they've been able to just t- touch an AFB loss, they have been able to handle that loss because of the emergence of Paseca, um, and a few of the other bigger forwards as well. So, I think there actually has been huge influence, um, from their off season signings
1: on on the AFB, uh, no like loss. It was also, and <laughs> when they signed him, I wasn't too sure if he was the right man for him to sign, but I'll give LOA a bit of uh, credit because he was coming off the bench before he obviously um, they've lost him after the year with injury, but um, he was actually playing really good. His stats were really good. Um, he was actually probably offsetting it uh, somewhat. So yeah, he wasn't really the starter that they probably would have hoped, but I think he was doing a really good job off the bench for him. But Foreign, foreign. I was questioning the signing, I didn't think it was the right move, but it's obviously backfired on me, uh, I'll put my hand up and admit that one, because he's obviously, I feel like being the glue in between Turbo and Cherry Evans and help put them sort of together, and um, I've said in the past, I don't think Cherry Evans can do anything by himself, so I think he's really needed Foreign there, and Foreign obviously there on a cheaper contract, and uh, it's massive for the club moving forward. And, and on Saab, look, oh, oh sorry, four and there for the next year or two um, maximum. And I do think Schuster will probably go back to five-eighths after that. Uh, it depends how much size he puts on because he's already really big. So he might end up being just a damaging edge edge back role, which uh, he's suiting he's just fine at the moment. Um, but, yeah, Saab's been a good signing. They just need to... The dragons, he was so in and out of that side last year, they sort of killed his confidence and he's a confidence player. Yeah. Uh he needs Des obviously stuck with him at the start of the year, he was horrible. And there was people, most manly fans I was talking to, and most people on posts and that were saying, get rid of Saab, like what are we doing? Um get just get him out. And but they des stuck with him. I think that's was what was needed. Um, let turbo get back on and and he's obviously as you mentioned, they love Turbo there, but his speed's so good, like they just need to start doing a lot more of those little early kicks in that for him, like the storm do for the fox, and he'll come into his own. And yeah, it's 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 a really good signing, I think, because he's not wouldn't be on much money either.
0: Yeah, like he's not one of the best, he's you know, he I think like I'm doing kind of the little thing at the moment where I'm ranking my. Um, picking my best right winger so far, and he is leading the fan vote. and I'm pretty sure I'm going to put him as the best right wing of the season. And that's not to say he's not the best right wing in the comp, but because of his team, he looks like the best. Fo- he's been given the opportunity to be the best in the comp. Like Nofaluma, um, you know, he's one that's probably, yeah, is a better player than him, but because of the opportunities given. He's taking them with both hands. He's not the one that's going to create his own magic, but when when there's a platform there for him, yeah, he is he is going to show his speed. And um, just to want to touch on the foreign thing quickly um before it slips out of my head. I think of yeah, glue is a great word. And you look at Cherry Evans' track record with since Fawn's departure, the the other time I thought Manly were at the best and Cherry Evans was probably at its best was well, as well, was when Blake Green was there. A steady half. A steady half that could take pressure off Cherry Evans. You know, there's higher upside halves, but in terms of just taking the pressure off, Green and Fawn have been the best um, mix for Cherry Evans um, and for Manly in general. Um, we're going to go with the Storm, and it's real, real simple. Um, how have you... Have you been surprised about how well they have handled the losses of Cam Smith and Vernavalo? And also want to throw Brinko Lee in there too, because, um, yeah, he's obviously was part of their grand final side last year and hasn't been there for injury this year. So have you been genuinely surprised how those losses have been handled?
1: I'm surprised by Cam Smith and Vernavalo, yes. Brinko Lee, nah, I think he was... He was pretty well carried last year. He was one of those no-frill players that just Bellamy knows how to use correctly. And I think they've actually got better backline players there this year than than Branko Lee. That's why, even though he's back now, he hasn't been able to break into the side. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I think obviously everyone, you can't replace Cam Smith. But what's happened so well there at the the Storm is that Bellamy and, and the senior players now have worked out a way to structure the side so they're not playing a can'ting. So last year the storm were very much off off the hooker. They that's how they played. Where now they're spreading the ball a lot more. They're using their their back line and um because their back is so strong. Uh the the fullbacks obviously when Pappy was there, he was so good at the start of the year and then Heinz has come in as well. They've just got some really good, skillful players in the side which are getting the ball a lot more this year. And it's been a really good way to offset it. So in a way, I guess in a way, they haven't really missed Cam Smith in a weird way to say it, but because they've been so smart with how they offset it and how they learn to play without him and adapt to it. Um, but yeah, also they obviously do miss him because I think that he's class on on and off the field. So Um, But yeah, it's a weird one to answer. I I guess overall, looking at the results, I haven't missed him too much.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think for the Smith loss in general, it'd be one of those ones where maybe um, we kind of view it, we can view this loss in more detail once the finals are over. Because we realise when his impact is really felt, but for me, like like you've summarised quite well, they've just adapted to the strengths of, you know, the guys that have replaced them, the strengths of the guys just in the team in general, and the way the game has played. Um, and yeah, just want to talk about yeah, Jennings Jennings and has just been one of those guys that Bellamy's been able to plug in there and just done a role really well, really simplified it. With so much talent around that, you don't need to be a spectacular winger, but you just do your role well. And I've just been really impressive, Remus Smith, because I picked him to be a great asset for us as a right wing, expecting Brinker Lee was going to be right right center, but he he has been one of the better right centers um this year. He has been able to, yeah, just I've been actually quite impressive and defensively. Um, you know, being being on that right side defending um on a edge, um, you know, not not predominantly on the wing. Um, and also the way he's been able to create stuff for himself and just been able to create support players as well. So I've been really impressed with how those guys have kind of filled the void of Vunavalu and Brinko, Brinko Lee. Because Vunavalu was, yeah, one of those losses. I wasn't too sure if we were going to be able to, if that was going to affect how big that was going to impact us. But, yeah, it has, has seemed to be pretty pretty good so far. So, yeah, fingers crossed um, it keeps going that way for the end of the season. Now, we go into the New Zealand Warriors, and you, you just go down their list, and they've, they made, um, a lot of, they've made a lot of signs when you think about it. Bailey Shannon. Mar- and these guys have played pretty significant minutes, um, to be fair, Marcelo Montoya, Kane Evans, Ben murdoch Massilla. Ewan Aiken, Aiden Vanille Blake, and Sean O'Sullivan. Um, just in general, based on how these guys have contributed to the wires this year, I just want if there any just general thoughts. Obviously, the big ones, Aiden Fanil Blake. He was the big more the most like marquee signing out of the lot. But do you just have any like general taking points when I list those names off about the impact this season?
1: I think about it that the Warriors had a really good plan coming into this year in terms of their strategy for recruitment and yet uh, apart from Adrian Blake who was a big name um, and he's on obviously big money there but the rest of them I feel like the the Warriors have gone you know what we're going to be locked down in a bubble obviously again for a lot of the season Uh, let's get the strongest squad we can get and, and let's really build around that so they've signed a lot of mid-range to low-range players uh, to just continue that strong squad and really push each other off the field in a training, things like that. So when I look at those players that they've signed and the, the impact, they've all, yeah, they've all had some pretty significant minutes, but they've also all had time on the sidelines. It's sort of like they're in a circle and, and they've all sort of been in that rotating wheel and they've all had chances and, and things like that. Like their back rollers, for instance, they've got still uh, Katoa, um, Harris has played a little bit. Then you've got um, some of the guys there you just mentioned as well, like Sirinan and, and things like that. You've got Curran as well. Like there's some really good players and you can't only have two uh, on the field at once. So yeah. they've all had chances. Um, I feel like the Warriors have a big plan to have a really strong team in the next probably two years or so. And this is all part of that moving forward. Um, but overall, I think it's just a really strong squad signings they need to probably get one or two real big names in there now just to steer the ship around and, and get them going.
0: Yeah. While you're talking, you know, I actually, yeah, like you said, they're not like, there wouldn't have been too much money spent, kind of lower the end, but guys that are going to, you know, be decent role players for them. So when I, when I was, you know, a word that comes to my head was it's, it's allowed them to be quite flexible, you know, in the terms of like now and because I'm, just for you guys' reference, I'm looking at Fox Sports um, off-season signings at the start of the season. And the signings I didn't mention were ones that have been made. Reese Walsh, Matt Lodge, and also upcoming is also going to be Sean Johnson. And Nick Arima, there's probably going to be money there. I believe Nick Arima is probably going to leave. Um, he's suggested that he will be. So, yeah, that, you know what? I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that, oh, we're going to go, we'll go quickly onto them. Um, and that, cause he could I believe he can be best used as a nine and, and I still see his value as a six and I actually don't mind that combination of him as a six next to Fogarty. So that would open them up. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> but I think, yeah, look, look at those signings. The Vanilla Blake one's big, but yeah, it's allowed them to be flexible. And I think they're going to be, and obviously sheck's leaving as well. So yes, they've got some big parts moving, but I've liked what they've done in, in general. And obviously, but, those, these guys haven't really had great seasons. Um,
1: for yes. New Blake, yeah, carry on. Just, just quickly, with that Reese Walsh line, I totally forgot about that health issue. Um, but that's another uh, another sign that the Warriors, for mine, are, are a club at the moment that are thinking ahead. Now. Yep. If this is other clubs, and no disrespect to some of the clubs, but if you're thinking the Tigers, the Dragons, maybe the Broncos, the Bulldogs, they're all recruiting and trying to fix problems tomorrow. The Warriors have a, a thought process, it seems, at the moment. It's really smart. They're deciding to not do it all in one go because it's pretty much impossible. You can't turn your club around in a day because if you could do it, every team would do it, and the um, Storm and the Panthers won't be as dominant as they are at the moment. But... The Warriors have decided, you know what, we're losing our captain next year. Who's one of the best, or if the best, youngster coming through in that position? Oh, Reese Walsh. Everyone's had raps on him for the last two years. Oh, hang on, he's not getting game time at the Broncos when they're getting pumped, and really, he, sh- he should have been one of the first picks. All right, we're going to throw some, um, not necessarily big money, just some money, but we're also going to tell him, you're going know, to play under two of us at check this year, uh, and we'll give you the game time that you need. So it's really smart recruiting. When you actually sit there and think about it and dissect it a bit, like we're trying to do here, it's, it makes you realize that the Warriors two years ago, they wouldn't have done this. The Warriors two years ago would have tried to sign a 30 year old. Um, let's use, I don't know, Brett Morris just as an example before his knee injury. They probably would have gone yet. Come over to us and play. Or Fergo, but instead they've gone, let's continue this sort of strong build up. Um, Honestly, if the Warriors aren't in the top four position in the next two years, I'll be very, very surprised.
0: And that's funny, and we'll finish it off there, but I'll just, and I think you basically answered my question there. I've been thinking about this during the week. Um, Out of the top 16s, which team would you have most faith in getting back to a position where they are in title status? And when I was thinking about it, I had to go after the Warriors, even though... There's always that saying, this year's our year, and it never seems to be the case. From the moves they've made, I now have a sample where I can actually legitimately say I have a bit of faith in what the Warriors are doing, especially when you compare it to the other teams kind of in the same situation. Now, the Gould influence, with him departing, unsure, but I think he's still got a little bit of a role within the Warriors, even though he is... um, gone to the Bulldogs, if I remember him suggesting nightly. So that could that could have a, a factor. But yeah, junior, generally looking at that, I really like how they have set themselves up to be flexible in their options. And yeah, and there's more, and they're in a position where there's still potential for more moves to come. Now, one thing they didn't do too well was, and as we link into the Eels, was they let go of someone in particular who is probably going to be, the signing of the year in my eyes. Um, and he is in your club, um, Isaiah Papalihi. Has he, actually, this isn't my question, but what kind of is? In a vacuum, is he had the best signing of the season? And in a vacuum, did the Eels have the best off-season? If you look just in general for this season. Did
1: they have the best off-season? Yeah. In terms of you are obviously talking about signings then for Parra?
0: Yeah, signings, yeah.
1: Um, Look, a lot of people were very critical uh, of Brad Arthur at the start of the year. They wanted him basically gone because of they were saying at the time, a poor off-season. But I think he's done it smack bang correctly because he's kept a nucleus of a side around. This is what we just talked about with the Warriors and this is what they're trying to do now. But Parra's done it. They didn't panic. A couple of years ago, they got the wooden spoon and They've just made some small changes every year, um, got in the correct players. Um, again, there's not a lot of high-paid players at the club, you'd probably say. They all want to sort of st- um, be there now. They've got like a, a brotherhood. Um, but pa- players like Papali, he was on the bench last year for the Warriors, getting game time here and there, one of those sort of players, and turned around his form. I'm not being biased, but he has to be a buyer of the year because the influence <laughs> he's now had and how well he's playing it's crazy and to think that the money he's on is on <laughs> what well, 200 at most. It's it's crazy because if a club was to sign him right now, you probably wouldn't have a goal. And if they signed him for over about six hundred or so, because that's what he's on, that's what he's working, uh, worth at the moment. And the other one was probably Bryce Cartwright. Um, a lot of people, including myself, were probably thinking, "Oh, here we go. Why have you signed this guy who last year was wasn't even trying to put his body on the line to make a tackle?" Where I've seen the complete opposite. He's come off the bench in games and he's wanted to do the hard run. He's wanted to put his body on the line and then mix in a little bit of his finesse as well, which he's, he's done pretty well. So he's been a great signing. And again, he's on not much money at all. So um, we've, we've got some depth now. We gave Nathaniel Roach a chance. He's playing um, in the South Cup at the moment. He's been able to make a pretty good figure. He came and played against, I think, the Dogs a couple of weeks ago. Lussik's been a good fill-in for when Marnie was injured, so we added hooker depth. We needed that. Um, we we did that with two quality signings. I feel. Um, so as a fan of the club, uh, I definitely gave it a big tick. Um, moving forward as well, there, there's obviously maybe one or two more signings you'd like us to make now let's get to that next level. And then the big signings for mine. There, you you look to try and get a, a one or two big dogs in the side, but. Yeah, I've got to give him a pretty pretty big tick. I think.
0: Yeah, I didn't think in terms of the off season um, signings that was going to be what was going to get them to kind of next level. But to be honest, it's probably what has for me improved them in terms of yeah, continuing this year. Like I and I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna admit I I wasn't the biggest fan of the off season signing. I did think Isaiah was going to be valuable, but. Not be the buy of the year. Now he's the buy of the year when you turn the, when you talk about bang for buck. He's also the buy of the bit buy the year just in general, like just the best player that has joined another team. Like even over for Fido in my eyes, um, um, yeah. The so you know one
1: that I think's been an underrated signing for us. He's done nothing wrong since he's been here. Is opportunity? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think he's been a just a. Steady centre, scores his tries when he needs. Very, very solid in defence. Like, I don't think I can blame a try so far this year on him banking a defensive error um, or poor decision. So, every every game he's probably doing a, a basic six, six and a half, maybe seven game. But that's all you really need from him. And he's he's doing the, the exact things right. So, gives the board a, a save when needs. And, yeah, I just think that's been a very underrated signing.
0: Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I actually was going to be um, going to mention him and then you know, it was going to slip my mind. But to probably sum that point up is when you talk about the top six teams leading in that we mentioned time and time again, um, the Parramatta Eels always just fell into that sixth spot from the consensus that you'd you'd see. And I, I've always been a high on Parramatta. I you know rate them more than most, especially what Moses can do. But when I looked at it, I did put them six and. Because I looked at a few of the departures and one in particular, obviously, for unfortunate circumstances um, for the Eels' perspective was Jennings not being there. And even though, yes, I knew Top Cech was decent, I still thought it was going to be, you know, big shoes to fill. But he's been tremendous, really good. And yeah, I think he's a big reason why they've been able to keep their status um, as one of those top four teams. Now we're going to go into the Panthers now. Um, we won't spend too much time on the Panthers, but I just want to talk about the losses of the Panthers because they're another team like the Eels. I actually dropped down a bit, I think I had them about fifth, fourth coming to season. Obviously, seems a bit silly now. Um, and it's because I thought when you know when they they were going to find some more, more circumstances this year where their resilience is going to be tested. Um, just because they had a bit of good luck last year and a few things went their way but but a lot of what they did was because of them they were excellent but to deal with their resilience you need the leadership now they lost mansoor they lost timeout they lost zayn tedavano so just basically how have these losses affected the panthers and have they really affected them affected them at all
1: I thought the same. I thought the Panthers were going to struggle a little bit this year um, with the pressure that was involved and the loss of the leadership. For mine, you can't underestimate that loss. Um, but, again, similar to the Storm situation, the, the Panthers, it's funny because both sides are at the top of the ladder where it's as if because they lost a couple of senior heads who were probably the dominant figures at that side for the last couple of years, it's forced players like Cleary, Luai, Yao, um, a couple of the other boys to really step up and become the leaders that probably you know, uh, Ivan has seen at training for the last year or so. And that's probably why he ended up saying this, let these senior guys go and make that step up. And now you've got a side or a squad at the Panthers who are very young uh, and it's so dangerous. They could honestly have a dynasty uh, over the next few years just because of the amount of quality – young players in that side and there you'd think most people say the best for a footy player the best age um is around that 24 to 27 mark 28 and um, that's when they're at their peak playing consistently good footy most of those penrith players wouldn't even be near, or maybe edging on 23 24 so they're getting to that stage now and they'll have a few years if they can stay together um geez it's going to be a great sort of side and very very dangerous
0: yeah no i completely agree with those statements um yeah actually yeah we'll just yeah i don't have too much more to say about them i I think it's more you actually brought the same point i was going to bring up about the same with the storm and it might be one of those ones where we, we find out how biggest bigger losses they are until we get to Get the crunch time. Um, now I've got, I've got the dragons here, and I don't. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring out two things: the Tyson Frizzell loss and the sign of Jack Bird. Now, when you saw Tyson Frizzell losing, when sorry, I should say when you saw Tyson Frizzell departing, um, how significant of a loss do you think it's been, and do you think it's kind of has been? Hand, been handled okay because of because of Jack Bird kind of being, being there and stiff? Has, has he kind of, you know, softened the blow, so, so to speak?
1: Oh, I guess you probably could say that. But at the same time, Jack Bird's played more centre than he has second row this year. So yeah. um, uh, he hasn't really helped in that department. I think Frizzell was a massive loss. Frizzell, for mine, was dragging sort of through and through and he was a leader at that club. And um, he wasn't very much the talky type. He's the actions guy. But I think that's sort of what they've missed and lacked this year at the Dragons is those guys that just get on with the job no matter what. Um, I guess you you probably say they've replaced him with sort of like a Maguire-type player. And there's obviously not a like for like there, no disrespect. But... Um, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think a big loss for the Dragons this year has been uh, their hooker McInnes. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he was going to probably leave it this year anyway to go to the charts early. That was the the big rumors going to do the rounds, and I was told it pretty much had happened before on his knee. But he was their captain. He was the inspiration. He was the guy, as you could tell by his looks. He's just gets in there and gets on with the job. He just gets smashed every week, but he's that heart and soul of that club and he's been a massive loss for them. I know they sitting in the eight. They're not going to finish in the eight. Sorry, Dragons fans, but it's not going to happen. Um, and the barbecue fiasco wouldn't have happened if McInnes was hands on there at the moment, was still there. I don't know if he's around the club at the moment just because of his injury and he's leaving the shark. So interesting what he's, what sort of figure he's playing there. But I can guarantee you after that game, if McInnes was in the sheds, he would have said, no, boys, go home. Um, do, you, do what you got to do, but do not go to this barbecue. So um, his, for mine, being probably the biggest loss, and we'll probably talk about him again next year once he's officially in sharks Sharks.
0: Yeah, I keep forgetting these guns with sharks, Sharks. He's just one of those ones where, obviously, out of sight, out of mind. Um, but it's going to be really just looking ahead. It's going to be really interesting to see how they use them. Obviously, you got Braley there as hooker um and so i think they'll probably use them as a lock roll or maybe interchange the two but yeah i think i think with the dragons is i'll probably just surprise you like we i think you want to i'm not too sure if you had them wooden spooners but i can probably guess that you probably had them very close to the wooden spoon and here was a big reason why um they were um you know kind of the bottom end of my ladder as well um so so i've been impressed and also forgot to. Like I said, this was done at the start of the season, and McCulloch one wasn't updated as well. And I think he's been a key reason of why the McInnes loss hasn't hasn't been felt as much. And just Ben Hunt has just been a better halfback than I thought know, he has been in, in the last couple of seasons as well. So, yeah, and I'm, yeah, so it's really interesting to see. Obviously, the loss has been felt by Frizzell. But I've been surprised about how they've been able to handle it all. And it's just, but now yeah, we're going to get into a sticky situation. There's a few little interesting, interesting times for the dragons just after the old fiasco. So yeah. Um, let's get into the last one now. It's the tigers. Now it's really easy to get all negative about the tigers, but I want to try to put a positive light on it. And I want to talk about Dane Laurie. I think he has been one of the more underlooked signings this year. I think people will just probably view him as like a low-key candidate for Rookie of the Year. But you gotta remember, he was at the Panthers last year, had a few little games here and there. Um, you know, look, I actually was really impressed with him when he came come on. There was definitely this sense of spark about him. And I just want you kind of discuss Dane Laurie and um, his potential to be kind of a centrepiece of the Tigers. Just in general, you, your views on Dane Laurie this season?
1: Oh, I think he's actually been really good. Um, it's been hard because as a fullback and as a small fullback, he's relies a lot on the go forward and being able to sniff around the ruck, things like that, which the Tigers have been getting beat up with most most games. So it's been harder for him. But he's still been able to get himself in the game. He's been their go-to, half from Dewey, uh, for attacking Spark and adding points. So a massive pass, Mark. It, it just shows how scary... Um, the Panthers' depth has been for a number of years because he was Panthers last year. But, yeah, I've been a massive fan of the Dewey signing. Uh, saw so the um, mental blank There you go. The, the Dane Laurie signing. And he's just only going get, to gonna get better. Another young guy. Um, once he puts on a couple more kilos as well, he's just going to be phenomenal. And I really love watching him play. He's one of my favourite Tigers players to watch, and one of the only reasons I do watch the Tigers at the moment. Um, Look, it's been a poor season so far from them. Uh, There's no doubting about that. But, again, they've been so poor, but they're only one win technically outside the eight. And it's been a crazy year so far, and it's the reflection of the the bottom two sides in the eight because they've been pretty poor as well. But, um, yeah, I think the Tigers, signings-wise, I think Tamo has been a bit of a disappointment, though his leadership's probably been good and needed. I think his on-field performances have been great. He's often only playing 25, 30 minutes of a game, which for mine as a captain, you need to be playing double that at least. Um, I always think yeah, yeah, captain should be on the field for 80 minutes, but that's just me personally. But um, yeah, I, I think Laurie's been the shining light when you talk about signings for the West Tigers. The other one you can probably... Have a discussion about his James Roberts, the Jet. Um, they brought him over from South and he's you sort of a little, little bit of a head bobble there. And that's the sort of way you, you rate his season. It's sort of been, you don't want to be too harsh on the bloke because you know the stuff he has gone through and you, you do feel a bit for him. And it's good that he's back playing the game he loves. Um, I actually think he looked the best so far this year when he played wing. Um, yep. he wasn't as in the game. I think that might suit him moving forward. He's a bit shorter, so he'll get found out in the high balls a lot. But um, he's been, uh, I think, centre. I don't know about him at centre anymore. I think he, he could somehow suit the wing, but maybe a Corey Thompson-type role where he's a bit smaller, but it does work. And another mid-season signing, again, another mid-season one, is Ken Mamalo moving forward. Could be a really good signing. Um, I thought this year for the Warriors has been pretty quiet and so far for the Tigers has been quiet, but they get him back into the form he used to have. He's, he was Dalian Winger, I think, two years ago. So um, really good talent, can be a good player moving forward. It's up to Maguire and the Tigers to get the best out of him.
0: Yeah, I'll give Ken the benefit of the doubt, really, in the sense that, like, I think obviously there was stuff going on that wasn't being getting him to reach his full potential, because like you said two years ago, he was Delhi and wing of the Year, and yeah, I agree, and imagine, yeah, like if you've got two experienced wingers Aaron and Roberts and um, Kim Amalo, and we know kind of the way wingers are played now, they have an extra forward, so to say, plus being finishers, and they've got, you know, they can finish at a high clip. Um Yeah, it's interesting to see, and just another name here, um, that just scrolled upon just before we depart because this is, yeah, we'll finish up shortly. Um, Stefano, oh god, I'm gonna go, mate. Well done, Ooh, yeah, no, nah, I'll leave it to you,
1: but he yeah, was a para junior after that one,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, he, um, so he don't get me wrong, he was brought into the New South Wales camp, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: for the yeah. last game,
0: yeah, now, oh he, boy. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He's been one of the top rookies this year. So, and obviously being brought into the camp early um, shows the potential that he's got. And yeah, and obviously has been scouted by one of the greats of our games in um, Brad Fittler. So that says a lot. So yeah, I think there's a lot of positive signs of the Tigers. It's like, like like you said, you mentioned you watch Tiger Tales and maybe that will give us a little bit of insight on their culture and stuff. But I think there is positives, but just just in general, I just want them to make more culture signings. Um, and why about the big swings like the tart the so the um I had a blank there. But like the, obviously, Tavita like I don't think they're going to get Tevita Pangai Junior. But the likes of the Robert Sinus Tevita Pangai Junior signings make those more risky signings when you've got that strong strong support base. But they I,
1: they need to go all out for Finucane. They need. If there's a club out there at the moment that is desperate for Nukin and should be paying him upwards of whatever he wants, giving him the open checkbook, it's the Tigers. The Tigers get for they become a top eight side for mine.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I think, yeah, I think you're probably on the money there, especially how we know there's no one really, really claiming that top eight spot at the moment. It is very up to debate, and a signing like that really could put put the eggs into um the basket of the tigers. Um and yeah, we're gonna finish off there. Now those are the eight teams that kind of caught my eye. There's definitely other teams to talk about the dogs just that's just a whole rabbit hole. We could, you know, we as soon as we started them would be an hour, and so and we talked about them last week as well. So if you want to see a bit more about the dolls, look at our last video. We mentioned the Dufty sign and all sorts. So, yeah, once again, want to thank Joel from League of Inches. Go check him out. He's very very close to 1K followers on script, Instagram. So go give him a follow if you haven't already. And yeah, thanks for um coming on again today, Joel. Really appreciate it.
1: No, no worries, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, keep up the good work. Give us a follow. If you listen to podcasts, give us a follow on the podcast. Same with Luke's channel. Really good. Um, if you do, I am interested in the dogs. and I know there's a lot of dogs fans out there. So if you want to hear uh, maybe a dedicated video for about 10, 15 minutes on the dogs, write to either myself or Luke's page and um, let us know. And I'm happy to jump on with Luke and we'll do a, a post about them a separate video. Uh, because there's some definitely interesting talking points for that club.
0: Yeah, I'd love to do a video where we we put ourselves in the GM role <laughs> of the Bulldogs, or G, you know, full gold. Yeah, full <laughs> gold. Yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> a very good idea actually. So we'll definitely look at that because it is it is intriguing. It's just yeah, it's um I will be going bald by the end of it. at least say that um <laughs> probably to sum it up. So yeah, have a good one, team, and I'll see you guys next week.